the Russian troops started assembling at the end of December, or maybe even mid-December, I don't remember. So back then, we knew that uh, something might happen, and we made the decision that it would be easier for us to, I mean, it made sense with kids so young, uh, to move to and stay with my parents for a while. So Mikhailo brought us uh, to Ternopil. I'm Dave Tabor, host of Proco 360, the podcast featuring world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado. This episode is way different. Over the last couple of years, I've had some graphics work done by a freelancer named Mikhailo who lives in Kharkiv. That's spelled K-H-A-R-K-I-V. You may have heard of Kharkiv. It's a major cultural and industrial center of Ukraine. It's located only 20 miles from the Russian border. And as you know, it's under attack. It's being invaded by Russia. I've been in touch with with Mikhailo and his wife, Yulia. Mikhailo is not available and Yulia has kindly offered to meet via Zoom to share some thoughts. So Yulia, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for asking, for inviting us to join your meeting. Uh, although it's, Although it's a bit, uh, my thoughts might be messed up a little. Uh, I might be not very clear in my uh, expressions, but uh, I thought it's important to at least try to tell a little bit uh, to your audience uh, what's going on here. Maybe a little bit perspective of what's going on and what you hear in the news and or at least like personal viewpoint of what's going on here. Yes, and thank you. And as we as just before we got started, too, you you warned me that you you've had some sleepless nights, and and uh, you may not be your very best. So thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've uh, you and I know I've worked with Mikhailo for over two years. Uh, we'd never met, uh, never met in person. This is the beauty of uh, of the freelance world. And and I didn't know you until recently, uh, you, but I did learn also recently that you've been Mikhailo's translator. So you spent some time in the United States. Talk a little bit about your background. Uh, so my first time uh, in the U.S. Um, I in when I was fifteen, I was um, I got a chance to be an exchange student. Uh, so I spent ten months in, or actually eleven months in uh, Washington State in a small town, Castle Rock, and it was just a life-changing experience. Um, the exchange program was called Future Leaders, uh, Future Leader Exchange. Uh, I will probably get the name later so that That's I'm That's all right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, so that was a program for... Um, students, young students, sophomore, junior students from uh, former Soviet Union countries. Uh, They got a chance to uh, study uh, in high schools in the U.S. Wow. Uh, So that was my first time. And then I also visited two more times uh, already as uh, when I started working in international organization and uh, one on a personal matter. So I altogether been four times in the U.S. Well, and, and you told me a little as we got started about your family. You've got an eight-year-old son. You're worried may cry. Uh, but uh, tell us about your family in the Ukraine. Eight months old. Eight months old. <laughs> ah, yes. So uh, so we, our family, Mikhailo and I have a family of four. 
we have a five a daughter who is almost five years old, and our son is uh, eight months old. Uh, so that's why he like, cried because he's still <laughs> no, that's that makes young. more sense. Now, so what's happening now in your area? Where where are you now? And where's Mikhailo? And and what are you both doing? Mm-hmm. So I may uh, speaking about our family. I think it might make sense to add a little bit background about Ukraine because uh, there are many stereotypes, and and I'm just going to mention them again, but. Uh, it's probably some tendencies that are uh, that have some ground, uh, like historic uh, events, surrounding, uh, and so on. So that although they are stereotypes, but they do exist and they are part of our culture and of what we are in Ukraine. So I come. I'll start with myself. I come from Western Ukraine. Uh, it's. Uh, bordering i mean it's closer to europe and uh here mostly people are ukrainian speaking and they are uh, considered to be more patriotic more uh also uh, western world oriented while mikhailo comes from a very eastern part as you mentioned, Kharkiv is only 20 miles away from uh, Russian border. So again, it makes sense that people over there are more Russian oriented. They have more uh, ties in Russia. Uh, Kharkiv is, um, according to statistics, uh, is 95% Russian speaking. But personally, in six years that I've lived there, uh, we were the only family u- totally Ukrainian speaking. Uh, sometimes people would switch to Ukrainian, very rarely, but some sometimes would switch. Uh, but it's not that they speak Ukrainian all the time. And the other way around, there are some Ukrainian speaking people at homes, but they do not speak Ukrainian in uh, public because of... Uh, in that part of the country, it used to be kind of uh, shameful or lower class uh, sign to to be Ukrainian speaking. Yeah. So there are we we've read in the in the papers and reports that that a lot of Ukrainians have family in Russia. Russians have family in the Ukraine. In as as these horrible things are happening they must have differing views on on all of that what are you hearing and what do you see it's a perfect answer to ask with my uh to answer with my personal example because although i'm from western ukraine as i mentioned like western world oriented but we still have my dad's uncle family is in russia and my mom's brother's family is in russia so i have cousins who were born in russia uh and uh, third cousins who were born in Russia and have families in Russia. Uh, The same is about, so it's not just about, um, so it's not just Eastern part of the country of Central or Southern part who have family in Russia. We all have, all of us in Ukraine have some kind of ties and friends and, uh, but it's just in the Eastern, they have more because it's closer to the border. Yeah. I'm going to come back and ask you a little bit more about that. First, I, I want to sort of get into sort of what's happening now that you're experiencing um, as a citizen of the Ukraine and 
have you moved from from Kharkiv to another location? Where are you? Where is Mikhailo? So uh, the Russian troops started assembling at the end of December, or maybe even mid-December, I don't remember. So back then, we knew that uh, something might happen, and we made the decision that it would be easier for us to, I mean, it made sense with kids so young uh, to move to and stay with my parents for a while. So Mikhailo brought us uh, to Ternopil, Western Ukraine, um, uh, at the beginning of January. And we were hoping that we would just, in February, we would just go back. And then uh, another reason why we decided to go in advance, because uh, in big cities, uh, many people don't have cars. We don't have either. And so in case of emergencies, uh, we knew it would be impossible, it could be impossible to leave. And uh, also Mikhailo has elderly parents. Uh, his dad is uh, um, uh, had amputated legs, so he also can't. Uh, so he needs to take care both about his parents, and so we didn't want to make it impossible to uh, to move. And it was it would be yeah. time. Yep. Yep. Now, in a in a prior message in exchange that we had uh, via the uh, the freelance platform Upwork, you said that Ukraine, or maybe it was Mikhailo, and you were translating, but you said Ukraine is not a war-oriented country, that you just want to live in peace, but in case of attack, many people will stand up against the invaders. And that seems to be happening. Yes. Actually, uh, even in our family, we had kind of different perspective on things. Because, uh, I mean, the war has started, uh, I need to mention, to, to stress it, the war has started eight years ago when Crimea was an annexed or annexated. Uh, uh, and uh, Eastern, uh, we call this region Donbass, but it's like Donetsk and uh, Luhansk uh, regions. They were also occupied by Russian troops and uh, there was a war back then, eight years ago, it started back then, but it was stopped local, locally. So uh, all these eight years, we had uh, men going to war, but it was just kind of frozen. And from our side, we were like Ukraine, tried to not uh, even respond to their attacks so that we wouldn't be uh, provoked, I mean, we were provoked all the, all the time, but so that we wouldn't be then accused of uh, fighting. So we basically, were, our troops are there all the, were there all the time, but we didn't fire back most of the time. Uh, so, um, I forgot. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, but obviously that's changed a lot. And, and um, I've been, I've been struck by uh, some of the Im impressions that uh, that I see in the paper, Ukraine's President Zelensky seems very inspiring, as does his wife, uh, Elena. Uh, President Zelensky said when the United States offered to to uh, bring he and, and Elena out, he said, the fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. What a wonderful statement. And Elena is quoted as saying, I will not have panic and tears. They do seem so brave. 
to to us uh do they seem that way to you and are they how do you how do you take that uh actually we were not in our family we didn't vote for him and uh we had a lot of criticism in his way uh the first years of his presidency many of his actions his team we had a lot of different points of view uh but no matter what he did, I did change my mind about him. And uh, no matter what his reasoning was, uh, he does do a good job, uh, both at the diplomatic level and within country, like inspiring people and doing what he needs to do. Well, I thank you for that perspective. I wanted to show you uh, a screen because, you know, there are plenty of, of horrible photos um, coming along, but you can see this screen and, you know, from, from uh, Kharkiv and, you know, is this, are you hearing Mikhailo talk about these kinds of images, uh, Yulia? And, and are you talking about these kinds of things? Uh, you know, uh, he now stays with his mom uh, and we are renting an apartment like five minutes away from her uh, apartment. So it's like we live in the same um, uh, block, residential block. And uh, like every time he goes out, he also has to help his um, aunt, elderly aunt, who now moved into our apartment. But anyway, so every time he gets out, he tells me uh, like there's a blog post. There is uh, two days ago, he was a witness of shooting uh between tanks and uh, like machinery uh, shooting right uh at our res at our apartment building because our apartment building is situated at the intersection of two avenues so it's a big like uh intersection and then yesterday he uh it was like uh weapon shooting like people uh i forgot the guns shooting or whatever not the machinery but the guns shooting so uh and um our niece for example she has uh, a family with three kids they have been in the cellars for five days uh, they went up to their apartment only once and stayed only in the um, at the doors door uh, like near the uh, entrance door yeah. because they couldn't. It was too dangerous to to go into uh, their rooms, and uh, so it's it's really bad over there. When we talk to Mikhailo, they're shooting all the time. There are some quieter times for like fifteen minutes, and then so if it's like really bad, they go down to cellars. If it's like not too bad, they already got used to it and they stay at their apartments in the bathrooms uh, where they like the walls are better and there are no windows and uh, like so yeah, these images are true. He provided me with some information last night uh, that uh, over 80 uh, buildings of like uh, civilian buildings, including hospitals, kindergartens, schools, colleges, um, 
uh, and so on were uh, ruined, damaged, ruined. Uh, more than, uh, I mean, thousands of residential buildings uh, were uh, um, left out, so they didn't have electricity and uh, they still don't have heating at Mikhaila's mom's place. So they have been sitting in the coldness for <laughs> over 30 hours now. Uh, so all the images that you see are, are true. Yeah. How are, you know, with, there, there are a lot of, of news stories about the Ukrainians um, fighting back. Um, there's an article in, I sent you an article earlier today, but there's another one in the Wall Street Journal. There's a, uh, a writer named Mark Hanna who wrote um, his conclusion was that Mr. Putin appears to be in the middle of a major strategic miscalculation. His overconfident assessment of his own power has been matched by his underestimation of Ukrainian resolve. Are you feeling, do people you talk to make you feel as though there's Ukrainian resolve? Um you know, determination to, to fight back? Yes. And even, um, like, one of the reasons why Mikhailo didn't want to leave Kharkiv, firstly because of his parents, but, I mean, there was probably a way to get them out if we were confident that, I mean, if he wanted to leave, there was probably a way to get them out too. Uh, but he said that he would not leave his city and he would fight back. He actually joined, he wanted to join, uh, we have those um, territorial uh, troops, voluntary troops that he wanted to join. And he actually, but in January, he got sick with uh, COVID. Uh, and it actually defined that because to, he was really sick for two weeks. And then he had, every time he wanted to go, he had really... Uh, bad uh, headache, uh, headaches, and then so when he finally went there, he, they said that they can't take him because uh, uh, he uh, because they had too many people already and they couldn't train them. So which was a good thing and a bad thing. And then uh, the day before, all those time, all the time, he was trying to find ways to still enroll and go undergo some training so that he could get weapon, but also with training. And the day before the greater war broke out, he actually got went to the um, to their headquarters again, and they told him to come back next morning. But the next morning, four a.m. Uh, or five a.m., everything started, and he didn't go back for training so yes many people are going back to your question many people uh who thought that russia would never attack uh because they are we are brothers same blood coming from the same soviet union etc many people already changed their minds and they are ready to do something uh, to uh, protect our land and our people because they realized it's not about protection it's about trying to wipe us out uh, from our land and uh, um, I used to work in Kiev uh, so I ha still have many many colleagues there 
and uh, our the two organizations that I worked for, we had uh, partners all over Ukraine. So I read posts from people from all over Ukraine, different backgrounds, different uh, age groups, uh, and um, everybody is basically doing something. Uh, like women uh, make masking nets for uh, machinery. We've had this going on for eight years. I've done masks. Um, forgot what they are called, like uh, to cover the tanks and everything. So that uh, camouflage mask, mask. Yes, camouflage uh, nets. Um, so some women are. Uh, cooking food, making supplies, uh, volunteering in any way possible. Like uh, those who are I, like in IT, uh, from IT field, they are doing all kinds of IT uh, like uh, related tasks. Everybody, many of my friends are uh, fact checking information spreading reliable information, working on uh, resources so that people have a reliable information. Well, you, you mentioned that there's been a fair amount of, uh, that there's been a lot of propaganda from Russia. Is that coming your way into U the Ukraine? And what are you seeing and, and doing? It was uh, when we, when, two months ago when I was still in Kharkiv, I heard that I felt the influence really greatly. Uh, of course, it's not like that in central Ukraine and western Ukraine, but uh, it's partly true about southern Ukraine too. So eastern and southern part are more influenced by Russia and uh, they watch Russian television. They, of course, they have more family and so on. So as I just want to provide a couple of examples about Russian propaganda. So uh, some of our uh, family members from Russia did reach out. I mean, most of them reach out saying that they can't believe it. It's impossible. How are you doing? Like uh, some said, we are sorry that it, this is happening. But uh, like my cousin, um, although she was born in Russia and her husband was born in Russia, he went to one of the riots in, uh, that they had. And of course, he was detained. Uh, but uh, he wasn't let go at the evening. So it was like not crucial uh, but she writes me every day she texts me every day and uh, asks if there's anything they can do and all i'm saying that you can just uh, try to get the information to people because what they're seeing on their tv is not is not what's going on here and she mentioned that uh, the Facebook content that I'm posting, they can't see it already. That's what my uncle said too. So they see that I'm posting something, but they can't see what it is. Uh, she also mentioned that now they can get be detained, not only for, and get in trouble, not only for participating in riots, but also for disseminating fake, fake news. And by fake news, of course, in Russia, they mean anything that goes, uh, doesn't comply with their official propaganda. So uh, it's massive and it's the biggest problem. Information like what we say in Ukraine, information is our, we have, um, 
weapon war and we have information war here. Uh, and people in many people in Russia don't realize that their uh, sons are fighting here. We have so many examples, so many live videos of uh, Russian soldiers who said we had no idea. Uh, you know, the, they had this training. Uh, the, the troops piled up uh, back in December and it, they had this training with Belarusian uh, uh, army, uh, the big training in February, but, but, it was, but it was going on for a while now. So they all thought they were in training and uh, their parents thought they were in training. Uh, I've seen a, like a screenshot of the phone, uh, like chatting between mom, Russian mom and Russian uh, soldier. She was like, um, can we send you a package with something? Like dad wants to send you a package. He's like, this is not like, you don't understand, I'm not in Crimea anymore because they, his parents thought that he was in training in Crimea or based in Crimea for whatever reason. And uh, so Russians don't understand it. My uh, dad's uncle still thinks that it's American-led uh, war. And I guess they thought that we were going to attack them. But if anyone saw the map of uh, Ukraine, I mean, the scale of uh, Ukraine uh, and Russian, the map the, and the scale of the countries. I mean, it would be ridiculous to even think about it, especially that we didn't, uh, in, after the Soviet Union broke up, uh, like if somebody looks up how many uh, how many wars Russian uh, Russia was involved in and started uh, and led and initiated and provoked and Ukraine and Ukraine started none provoked none I mean we had some uh, voluntary uh, not troops but battalions or whatever in some in some cases but we were not initiators of anything, didn't prove yeah. anything. So it was. Yeah. yeah. How, do you, how do you feel? You mentioned the United States. Um, how do you feel about the world's response right now over the last week? Of course, as with any, any issue, any question, there is no just black or white, not, not good or bad. There are some, uh things that uh like have different perspectives you can look at different uh, angles at anything and so on the one hand uh like we really appreciate all the support that we get i mean uh people uh posting information people trying to understand what's going on is big too because even if one person understands that russian propaganda is not what it is and even tells his her neighbors uh, about it. That's important too. So any support is is important. Yeah. Are uh, you are you aware of of the you know the international sanctions being uh, you know put against Russia and so forth? Uh, I'll be honest. The first time I I heard about sanctions, I think it was February twenty fourth in the evening that they said. 
like the first day of the big war, uh, that they the sanctions were so ridiculous, and I was like, are, are they making fun of us or what? But uh, then I've heard two comments of experts that they explained that it made sense because, like, so there would be something in stock to, uh, first of all, for Russia to still have a chance to go back on their decision, and second, uh, to still have something to, like, if you have, uh, like, crucial sanctions at the beginning, you have nothing to add later. Uh, so, um, like, on the one, one hand, we are all grateful for support. There are uh, thoughts occasionally that we don't need your... Uh, um, concern like there are during the eight years that we've had jokes already or sarcasm here like if something happens we were wondering whether the western world would be concerned or deeply concerned or uh, gravely disturbed or like because basically during the eight years diplomats express their support in mostly like being disturbed. But uh, now, um, during the past seven days, oh, and even before, we did get some weapon that we are really uh, grateful for. We did get the support uh, that really matters. Uh, sanctions matters matter too. Uh, so, um, Although sometimes we feel that it's not enough, for example, we had many petitions asking NATO to close or shelter the sky, because this is something we don't, our weak point. Uh, so of course we would want more, but uh, we do appreciate everything that is that we get. Thank you. What, what else should we better understand about what's happening? Um, I think that you mentioned it, uh, you asked the right questions about determination of people. Uh, I think mm, people in other countries didn't even expect that we would stand up for our country with anything, even without appropriate weapons, armor, and so on. And, uh, um, I guess this is the proof that we need our country and um, sorry again <laughs> my mind just went into different direction that's alright and, and my you know the last I mean people will listen to this and, and what do you think uh, people in the United States can do to support your efforts in the Ukraine? Um, well, firstly, again, information. Um, we've had some uh, on Facebook. I'm mostly Facebook user, not Instagram or Twitter or something else. But we had um, uh, petitions or asking our American friends on like a personal level to contact their senators uh to provide support uh i have many friends going to uh peace uh peaceful marches all over 
uh, Europe and uh, the US, uh, just spreading the information, anything you can do to to get the truth out there and so that more more people know about what's going on. Well, thank you. I think um, if you, if you got anything else to add, I know it's early in the morning and you've got a long day ahead. We can wrap up if you'd like, Julia. Um, I think that uh, like your idea to uh, record this podcast is also one of the tools that uh, although I know that I'm not in the best shape and probably I didn't say the things that I should have told, I will probably think later that, oh, I should have told this, I should have told that. Although I try to uh, make some notes for myself, but I'm still too distracted and at, like can't concentrate well. But anyway, I think that your uh, podcast will probably uh, get some people interested in what's going on here. Maybe somebody will Google up something. Maybe somebody will look at the pictures and realize or videos, realize what's going on here. And maybe uh, when there's time for some support, they will at least on a personal level support uh, their government or their representatives and will not oppose to uh, support that they provide to us. So understanding yeah, that, the situation for people. That makes sense. And, and I, I thank you for your time. Let's, let's wrap up. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Julia uh, Riabucha from the Ukraine. And Julia, thank you very much for, for taking the time, spending the time with us. And uh, thank your mother, uh, mother-in-law for watching your son while we did this. Thank you so much, David. Listeners, Julia... Uh, agreed to this conversation with the hope that it would offset propaganda. So please share this. Sponsors, thank you. You know who you are, and I appreciate you. That's the show. Let's wrap up here. Live, work, love, Colorado. Julia, thank you. Thank you, David.